Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It's something we should never, ever forget, that when one sinner repents, heaven throws a party. In today's program, we're going to see the party is not just in heaven, but it's also here on earth. Believers really do know how to have fun. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are in Matthew, Chapter 9, verse-by-verse. Jesus is clearly a man of action. He is also a man of words, great words, words of life. Take of his words, apply it to your life, And you not only live a better life, you live a life that has no end. In our particular lesson today, which is entitled, The Call of Matthew and His Party, what we're going to see is that Matthew, who is the author of this gospel, Matthew Levi, he not only is so grateful that Jesus chose to call him, but he decides to throw the Lord a party in honor of such a call. And of course, It's not just the fact there's a party, but who actually comes to the party that gets our attention. Because it's not the elite of society, but it's those who are down and out, marginalized, noted for sinful living, but they respond so powerfully to the love of God and to the grace of God that truly, as we learn from the words of Jesus himself, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Because these last are, as it were, the lower rungs of society. The first are the elite, establishment elite, religious elite, and so on. But the elite are missing out big time because they're not listening to the call of God. In fact, they reject the call of God full on. But the others do not. They are responding. Hence, they get in front of the queue. But those that think they've got it all together, they are self-sufficient. They are proud. They are actually hypocrites, acting outwardly that they have a form of righteousness which has no correlation to the condition of their hearts. So these hypocrites get to the back of the queue, while those that are honest, hungry, humble, Get to the front of the queue. Hence, the last shall be first and the first last. What I want to point out to you here is after Jesus calls Matthew Levi, and our range of verses for this lesson is Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. It says in verse 9 and 10, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, 
As Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Let me say that Jesus' inclusive nature would be the subject of severe criticism from the religious elite. And they're basically saying, hey, buddy, do you know who you're sitting with? You're sitting with tax collectors and sinners and all the rest. Jesus, as always, will have the right response to give because of the grace of God in him. After all, it's not the people who are well that need to see the physician, but those that are sick. Let's put it this way. Matthew is not just showing good Middle Eastern hospitality by welcoming the Lord in his home and throwing a banquet. He's also demonstrating gratitude for the fact that he is a recipient of the grace of God. He may be unworthy, but he still counted in the mercies of God. It's unfortunate that when God acts in mercy and grace, there are those, again, the first, the religious elite in this case, who nurse what we call a critical spirit. I'm telling you, friends, you don't want to go there. It is dangerous. It is unhealthy. It is contrary to everything that God stands for. And the critical spirit will pull you down more than the millstone tied around the neck and cast into the sea. Jesus has a masterful response to those with the critical spirit. And we'll learn about that shortly. But he also then goes and gives comments about fasting. And not that fasting is not to be done. Everyone will fast, but he'll give comments on fasting, the bridegroom, the old garment, and the wineskins. It's now time to read the Word of God in full from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. Our lesson is called The Call of Matthew and His Party, and again, the reference is Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. It is written, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and they shall fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put off is fit, filled it up, taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. A reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. And our lesson is entitled, The Call of Matthew and His Party. 
So it begins in the very beginning. Jesus is in Capernaum. And there also in Capernaum is a tax collector called Matthew Levi. So it couldn't be more simple. The call of God is distilled into two words. Follow me. Matthew Levi, from the despised class of tax collectors who practice extortion while representing the hated and costly Roman occupation, seemed like the most unlikely candidate to get the attention of a holy man from Nazareth. But of course, this is Capernaum. It's by the international highway between Africa and Eurasia. He's become probably a little bit wealthy from it all. But Matthew Levi is willing to leave all of it behind because he got a better offer. It's called the Gospel of Christ. And I'm telling you, friends, the Gospel is the best offer of all. The chance to be reconciled with God, to have your sins forgiven, but also deliverance from the sin nature that causes you to repeat those horrible things. You not only are reconciled to God, you are adopted into his own family. You are part of the household of faith. God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower you, to embolden you, to make you fruitful in every good work. As you increase in the knowledge of God, you will have answers to prayer, the favor of God, authority from above. I'm telling you, it's the best life you can live this side of heaven, let alone the other side too. It is an offer too good to refuse. God sees things, of course, that the naked eye does not. So, once Matthew Levi received the call to ministry, he jumped at it immediately, left everything behind, and followed Jesus. But then immediately it says here in verse 10 of Matthew 9, Matthew has a banquet. What is the time lapse between the call and the banquet? I really don't know. I dare say it was pretty quick. Matthew was so happy, he wanted to basically tell the world. When Jesus came to Matthew's house for dinner, many unsavory people, like sinners and publicans, came, apparently ate with them and the disciples. Remember, these people were despised by man, but they were loved by God. And then, of course, as predictable, the critical spirit. Let me tell you, friends, if you are exposed to critical spirits, or you yourself nurse one, if you nurse one, repent of it. It's going to destroy you. If you're around people that have it and you're in no position to change their mind or thinking, then it's time to leave. But if you do have some clout with them, it's time to confront them. Lovingly, of course, because this critical spirit is aging them, souring them, making them absolutely unfit for anything to do with God. It's just not worth it. So the Pharisees had the critical spirit. And they asked Jesus' disciples, I guess they were too gutless to ask Jesus directly, why is your master eating with publicans and sinners? As if somehow being around these people was going to lower Jesus' own standard. But you know what? They thought they were right with God, not realizing their version of righteousness was insufficient to help them enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says so in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.20, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
No, we need a higher and better righteousness than the one that we cook up on our own. We need God's righteousness downloaded to us, and that's what Jesus gives us. Again, courtesy of the gospel. At least publicans and sinners were responsive to both the person of Jesus and his glorious gospel message. Jesus gives a masterful response in verses 12 and 13. Jesus likens himself to a physician who came to heal the sick, not the healthy. Then he quotes from 1 Samuel 15:22. 1 Samuel 15:22 that God demands mercy above religious ritual and sacrifice. After all, all the religious sacrifices in the temple basically pointed to God's infinite mercy. Having offered sacrifice, it is time now to show mercy to others as God has shown it to us. Jesus did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then he makes some intriguing comments about fasting. Now, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks assuming that his followers would fast. He says, when you fast, not if you fast. And I do urge all people who are healthy enough to try fasting. It is very powerful to connect with God, to change your thoughts, your ways, and everything else. And it also is, how should I say, a way to reprogram your life. And so fasting really is powerful. But again, make sure you're healthy, and if in doubt, ask your physician. In all probability, the question that was asked of Jesus by the disciples of John is, why do we, Pharisees and disciples of John, fast often, but your disciples fast not? Since Jesus, as we said, teaches on fasting. Now, Pharisees fasted sometimes for superstitious or outright ridiculous reasons, like how to have a dream, how to interpret that dream, and how to avoid evil, which is in the dream. So Jesus basically points it this way. I believe the disciples of Jesus did fast. It's just that they fasted much less than the disciples of John or the Pharisees. So what does he do? He uses the analogy of the bridegroom, the metaphor of the wedding. Jesus asks, how can children of the bride chamber mourn while the bridegroom is present? Now remember, weddings are a time of celebration, not mourning. After the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. Now, one famous church fast is Lent, L-E-N-T, a 40-day partial fast, which is done around Easter. But whatever the motive, or in fact, the motive needs to be poor, it's really the mode of fasting that can vary. And I think that God is pretty happy with any mode, just as long as our hearts are right and we are diligently seeking him. So then he goes on to talk about the new patch on the old garment, or the new wineskins using the phrase bottle instead. First of all, the old garment and the patch. Jesus continues his discourse by talking about not putting a new patch on an old garment. The reason is the new patch will tear away, and the hole in the garment will be worse than before it was patched up. Think about it. Let's be honest. There are many people in church today that seem to have worse problems than even in their sinful days because they are merely patched up with Jesus and the patch has fallen off, leaving a bigger hole. Rather, 
We need to become a new garment in Christ altogether and forget the patches. And remember, we are a new creation in Christ where the old passes away and the new comes. But there's more, the wineskin or bottle analogy. Now, although the text says bottles, it is actually wineskins. Jesus says that if you put away a new wineskin, or put new wine, I should say, in an old bottle or wineskin, then both will be ruined. Because the new wine ferments in the old wineskin, it will burst, and both will be lost. New wine must be put into new skins. The teaching of the Pharisees, which is as old wineskins, was never going to be compatible with the teachings of Jesus and the new birth. And truly, God's pleasing is a spiritual life that is one that we should bear in mind. We want to live a life that honors God and delights God rather than panders to the flesh or tries to impress men. Becoming born again, being a new wineskin, and you will be able to receive the new wine representing the baptism and fullness of the Holy Spirit with the anointing and empowerment that it brings. So it's interesting, the disciples of John asked one simple question, and they get so many different responses. They get the bridegroom, the old garment, and the wineskin analogy. So our lesson is entitled, The Call of Matthew and His Party. And our lesson for life is this. Genuine Christians need to be reconciled to the fact that they will never fit into the course of this world, which is as an old garment and wineskin. God makes all things new. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter giving you future-ready advice in your inbox with articles from the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you in Jesus' name for the teachings of Matthew that reflect the teachings of Jesus, words of life in a dark and dying world. We help ask you to help us apply these things to victorious living in Christ's name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.